Greetings and salutations, family. Can you believe, can you wrap your mind around the fact that 2019 is almost over? Isn't that crazy? I don't know if it's because I'm 34 knocking on 35 or if I'm just having a great time in life, but these years are flying by. And on this episode of Modern Faith, I'm going to walk you through five quick questions. Well, maybe not quick, but five questions that you can ask yourself that I ask myself um, as we are about to transition into 2020. Thanks for being here and stay tuned. Welcome to Modern Faith, a podcast for the spiritual nourishment for today's millennial woman of color. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Nichelle Guidry. Thanks for being here. So once again, greetings and salutations. It is the final Sunday of 2019. It's the final Sunday of the 2010s. A whole entire nine years has gone by since 2010, and we are on the brink of 2020. Now, are you one of those people that's like, we're going into a new decade now? Or are you one of those people that's like, no, we actually have one more year into a new decade? There's a little bit of an ongoing debate around when is the new decade? Is it after 2020 or is it at 2020? Um, Maybe you can give me a shout and let me know which squad you're on. But no matter what decade it's going to be or not going to be, we're entering into a brand new year. And wow, I don't know where you stand on it, but I am taking a deep breath I am bracing myself for what I believe is going to be an amazing and a game-changing year. And part of the reason why I think 2020 is going to be so game-changing is because 2019 has been game-changing. You know, 2019 has been game-changing for me for a lot, a lot, a lot of reasons. Um, But... The most important reason, I think the foundational reason, has been because this has been my year of really prioritizing my spiritual wellness and understanding that there is um, an inextricable connection between how well it is with my soul, (laughs) um, how well I am spiritually, and how I show up in the world, whether that's my work, my relationships, Um, My day to day going about um, it all has um, it's all directly connected and flows out of how well I am with my spirit, how connected I am with the spirit, how well I connected I am and grounded I am in myself. Um, And so I I really think prioritizing that this year has been um Like I said, it's been game changing. But before I get into my reflecting and I guide us through some questions for reflection, I just want to wish all of you an amazing um, 2020. And I hope that you have had an amazing and beautiful holiday season. I know that a lot of people feel a lot of different ways about the holidays, but I love the holidays. Um, And I hope that there was something in the holidays for you 
that um, was life-giving, something that filled your soul up, something that gave you joy. Um, and as you're going into 2020, uh, I just, I'm expecting great things for all of us. I also want to say that I am so thankful. I am so incredibly thankful for how um, awesome this listening community is. I have had the opportunity and I've been graced to hear from a few of you about how modern faith has really connected with you and how it's helped you and how it's inspired you. And I love, love, love hearing that feedback. It makes me feel extremely gratified um, to know that the work is meaningful um, and, and that it's helpful. I um, recently posted on my Instagram, you know, kind of like the uh, the whole reason for modern faith was to kind of get back to the basics of just doing good work, doing great, um, doing ministry that's helpful and that's soulful um, to uh, my sisters. <laughs> and so I want to thank you for affirming and asheing um, this work and those efforts and for listening and when I tell you that I really, really hope that we continue to connect in 2020, I really um, would love to hear how modern faith can be a community to you. Um, those of you who have listened faithfully and those of you who are listening for the first time, I, I really want modern faith to continue to grow um, and meet needs um, for spiritual wellness to black millennial women and black women uh, all over. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, how can we help? How can we be present? How can uh, we uh, come together and, and really be um, community to each other? Uh, that being said, I have to say, I am so excited <laughs> because I'm recording from my mom and dad's backyard. And if you hear the sound of Mother Nature doing her thing behind me, it's because I've just decided to surround myself in this Texas beauty. And, um, you know, sitting outside on a porch in December with just a little hoodie on in the morning and my cup of coffee, you know, there aren't a lot of places in the world that you can do this in December. So, I'm going for it today. Um, and so once again, we're here to do a little reflecting. And as I'm getting ready to launch into these uh, five questions, plus a bonus question um, for reflection, I do want to say, um, I want to announce, and if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, if you follow Modern Faith on Instagram, um, you have already gotten this news that I will be hosting the first Modern Faith webinar next Sunday afternoon, January 5th at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Um, I will be hosting the first Modern Faith webinar called Looking Back to Leap Forward. And it's going to be all about going deeper in this process of strategic reflection. What is strategic reflection? Strategic reflection 
is when we look back to kind of mine our life experiences, to mine our our thoughts and our wisdom for what is most generative, what is most inspiring, what is most joy and life-giving that we want to take with us as we're moving forward. A lot of people spend this last week of December and maybe even the first couple of weeks of the new year buying brand new planners and starting your fitness regimens and deciding that I'm going to do my vision board. And there's a whole kind of boatload of sort of capitalized things that people do at the new year. Um, And sometimes not the least of which is just taking a moment to just pause and reflect and go extremely deep. And the truth of the matter is, if you really do that, all you need is like a journal and a pen um, to really get down into the nitty gritty. And um, so I am offering um, a webinar next Sunday to help you to help us um, really do that work of strategically reflecting, reflecting so that we can get in position, reflecting so that we can do a little course correction if necessary, reflecting so that we can reframe our stories for our good um, so we can move into the new year mindfully, soulfully, wholeheartedly, um, And as I'm talking, I'm just getting even more excited because I just know this is going to be awesome. And so we're going to start with this episode of the podcast today. But if you want to go deeper in a process of strategic reflection and positioning for 2020 with me, um, I invite you to log on to our website, modernfaithpodcast.com and um, register you can also find the registration on our Instagram. We are at Modern Faith Pod on Instagram. Hit the link tree in our bio and click on webinar registration, looking back to leap forward, and it'll take you right there. There is a fee of $39. But that cost covers all of the materials that you need, which are, by the way, going to be absolutely beautiful. Um, they're going to be um, sent to you via email once you get registered. Um, and before the webinar, you'll receive everything that you need. And of course, it rece- it includes the live coaching with me um, for 90 minutes through a process of strategic reflection. So um, like I said, we're going to get started here on this podcast. But if you want to go deeper, I look forward to um, our time together next Sunday on the first Modern Faith webinar, Looking Back to Leap Forward. Thanks so much, guys. All right. We ready to get into our questions for reflection? Let's do it. All right. Now, question number one. And y'all, y'all know how I do. I am just going to jump right in. I'm not going to stick on the surface. I'm going deep right now. Number one, in 2019, what were my dominant mentalities? What were my dominant behaviors? And what were the results that these dominant mentalities and behaviors led to? So where I'm starting right now is I am starting with self. 
I am starting with what was your orientation to your life? What was the, what were the attitudes <laughs> that, um, that you inhabited, that you, um, embodied every day? What, what, um, what were the moods that you had? Was this a year of, um, was, uh, was it a year of faith? Was it a year of struggling? What could, what were the, what were the combinations? And I know like there, that sometimes it's hard. And, you know, I encourage you to think about this, um, Maybe you'll want to go from month to month. Maybe you'll want to go through the four seasons. Maybe you'll want to go Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, however you want to think about this. But I encourage you to um, really think about what were the waves that you were on? You know, what were the, um, you know, dominant mentalities and behaviors? And more importantly, how did they move you? How did they shape you? How did they inspire you or not um, to show up? Um, for example, um, when I started out 2019, I had um, I had this feeling that 2019 needed to be the year that I really focused on my personal growth, um, my personal evolution. I had spent all of my life grinding it out professionally and vocationally. And when you talk about what, when I say grinding, I mean, I had been a lifelong student um, and I mean formal student, like in somebody's program. I had just, you know, I just graduated with my PhD in 2017. And before that, I, the only year that I took off was the year in between my master's and my PhD, which was 2011. So I was always in somebody's program. I was always in somebody's fellowship. I was always in some peer circle of, of fellow ministers. I was building She Preaches, which was all about black millennial preachers. Like everything in my life had been about my work. And when I got to the end of 2018, I started to realize that because I had poured so much into my professional growth and development, um, I had somewhat neglected, you know, really focusing very intentionally on my character and really asking myself the, um, the questions of who am I? What are my desires? Uh, how do I want to feel? Who do I want to be? And I, um, I knew that 2019 needed to be that year. I also knew that 2019 needed to be that year because by the end of 2018, I had been replaying some extremely painful scripts in my mind and in my spirit of things that had in my mind uh, gone horribly wrong professionally. And I was really um, at that point, end of 2019, beginning and even through the, you know, Q1 of 2019, I had really sort of um, interpreted and internalized a lot of those awful events as having some uh, implication as to who I am and what I'm worth. And I really needed to get to the point where I could disentangle the things that I had been through from my identity. Um, and, and so I needed to spend some time this year really honing in on um, healing, really honing in on what were going to be my means and practices 
of recalibrating and recuperating when life just decides to happen. Um, you know, cause life does that. I also decided that I was not going to put all of my eggs in one basket and that basket being ministry in the church. You know, I had, I had a, I have a lot of interests, y'all. <laughs> I have a lot of things that I'm interested in. I'm interested in entrepreneurship. I'm interested in the coffee business. I'm interested in mixing amazing cocktails for my friends and family when we get together. And for years, I kind of told myself that those things were incompatible with my call to ministry. And it really kind of left me at a deficit because what ended up happening was that I started relying way too much on one um, source of inspiration, one source of income, when the reality is my gifts are vast, my interests are vast. And so I also knew that 2019 needed to be my year of getting out of my self-imposed boxes. When I told myself that this is what I'm called to do, this is what I'm going to do, and that's all there is to it. I um I did not realize a that that's what I was doing but b I did not realize what a deficit that would put me at um mentally spiritually physically and even financially and so I knew that this year I would need to develop myself I would need to expand my horizons I would need to really focus on uh what fed me and what fed a sense of passion in my life outside of my work. <laughs> so um, that was what I was entering into. And I stumbled upon, um, you know, just this whole idea of spiritual wellness. And focusing on my spiritual wellness has really enabled me to not just continue to kind of pivot and expand, um, uh, but it's also enabled me to just make a decision that no matter what happens in my life, I was going to keep walking and keep moving forward. You know, it's really, um, it's really sad, but it's also very real that, you know, sometimes when that whole life happening thing happens, it kind of, um, you know, it immobilizes and it, um, it, it discourages us from, you know, putting one foot in front of the other. And um, I just decided this year that no matter what happens, I am going to keep moving. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Life is going to continue to come at me. Life is going to continue to happen. And in all of those things, I want to count it all joy. I want to keep moving forward. I want to lean on God. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to let my community in on what I'm going through so I'm not moving in isolation. But no matter what, I'm going to keep moving. And I, yeah, I'm grateful <laughs> that, that, that God gave me the strength to do that. Because as I'm reflecting, as I have been reflecting on this year, I am just, I see the turnaround in my life. I see how um, grace has just been abundant uh, in my life. And I thank God for that. Um, <laughs> the flip side of that coin, though, is in the midst of that turnaround and in the midst of um, all that grace, amazing things happened in my life. 
I mean, absolutely amazing things happened in my life. And one of the things I learned was how powerful it is to move in silence. Um, Social media makes it so that it becomes um, uh, very easy and attractive and tempting to broadcast everything on on the various platforms. Um, But many of you have heard me talk about this either on this podcast or in other settings. I spent half of this year not even on social media. And I had to really divest of the concern for, well, if it doesn't go on social media, are people going to know that I'm doing this and that this is happening in my life? And am I going to remain relevant? I had to really let go of those thoughts because, golly, how vain, right? But also, like, I think that sometimes waiting to, like, announcing everything is actually a distraction from actually doing the work. And so I just, yeah, I had to learn, like, there are some things, like, that are never going to make my social media, even when I resumed using it. So I could keep talking. But those were some of my dominant mentalities and behaviors and um, some of the results that they led to. Um, I'm also grateful to say that um, one of the results is this uh, this podcast, Modern Faith, Um I'm here because I really took the time to hone in on what I'm passionate about and what I want to do. So, yay. All right. Question number two. What were my most critical growth moments? Now, this is a really important question because I think that sometimes um, uh, we, it's very easy to look back over our year and kind of categorize things into wins and losses, which I think is a great way to start, but I don't think it's a positive place to stay because uh, what ends up happening with those losses is we um, don't really give them the attention that they deserve and that they require because there's a lesson inside of every loss. And so I've looked at um, my losses, <laughs> well, my perceived losses, um, and I have um, some of my most critical growth moments um, included a really difficult student that I had at Spelman who really, really, really challenged me um, and actually just showed me um, you know, some areas of my life where I really needed to do some growing up um, and where I really needed to be uh, fortified. Uh, I needed to, it really showed me some areas where I was lacking in sensitivity and some areas where I was a little too sensitive. There were a whole lot of takeaways from this experience. And the crazy thing is, is even though that happened with one student, she was not the last. And so I had to kind of understand, like, you know, uh, you got to that. I had to show up in a different way. I needed to do some some evolving and some growing because I'm just dealing with a different generation, you know, and I had to really kind of make have more realistic expectations, not only of them, but of myself. And that was a critical opportunity to grow. Another critical um, growth opportunity was when I had a conversation with a, a former colleague from work and um, I realized um, that we had grown distant and um, I really, uh, it troubled me because I actually really liked this person. 
And she ended up getting a new job. And soon thereafter, we got together and she kind of expressed to me that she was disappointed in um, how I showed up on a project that we were working together. And she had expectations of me that did not align with how I actually performed. And it was um, it was a beautiful moment to me because, A, um, what I think a lot of people do in this um, really tragic and unfortunate um, climate of cancel culture is they just cancel you without an explanation. Um, and I thought it was beautiful that she decided and courageous that she decided that um, our relationship and my personhood were important enough to let me know why there was a change. And I also thought it was beautiful because I, um, I need that critical feedback. You know, there's so many people in my field and I know for a fact that they are surrounded by yes people who only tell them yes, who never raise an issue or a concern. And it's really amazing to see, um, how, just it's an amazing thing to see. I ain't going to put my mouth on nobody on this podcast. Um, but it's it's really sad to see the effects of um, being surrounded by people who won't tell you the truth about yourself. And so that moment for me was critical because it helped me to draw my attention to how I was showing up professionally um, in the relationships and partnerships that actually make my work possible and make it more enjoyable. And I really could have been like, well, you know, I don't agree with you and I don't, you know, I don't receive that. But, you know, if that was her experience and that was her experience and it gave me an opportunity to self-reflect. Um, I also had a critical growth moment where I had a really major speaking engagement. And I, as I was meditating on the theme of the conference and I was preparing to speak on it, um, the spirit was really, really impressing upon me that it was time for me to tell my story of some of the things that I have been through in ministry. Um, it was time for me to um, speak openly in ways that um, were generative and helpful to the audience of peers that I was going to be standing in front of. And I had been running from this from for a long time. I didn't think that I was ready because I didn't know that I had done the work of healing to the degree that I needed to, to keep myself from, as we say in the field, bleeding on the people. Um, but I, the spirit would not let me go. I could not get around it. And I remember praying and I said, okay, well, if this is the route that we're going to go, I need you to give me the words and I need you to give me the grace. And I'm so glad that I did that because um, some really amazing um, scholarship has come out of that um, series of lectures that I'm going to continue to work on in 2020. Um, so when you hear me talking about vocational trauma, um, just know that that came out of a hard press uh, to finally tell my story and um, continue moving in the process of growth and healing that God is trying to do in my life.
So once again, question number one, what were my dominant mentalities and behaviors? What were the results that they led to? Two, what were my most critical growth moments? All right, question number three. What life-giving practices did I cultivate this year? Once again, like I said, life has a way of happening and sometimes it appears that there are some um, uh, some alternate and ulterior motives and agendas that are happening at us and to us against our will. And it's just how life is. And so I think it's very necessary for us to have very intentional, um, very soulful, very fulfilling, um, very sp uh, spiritually nourishing uh, practices that we do to keep and hold ourselves uh, when that happens and to even keep ourselves in a state of spiritual nourishment and balance when things are all good. Um, I think that the best rituals and the best practices are the ones that are um, sort of implemented within a, a rhythm of intentionality um, because I think that they, when we get intentional about our practices and our rituals, that's really when they start to shape us and mold us and reshape us and remold us into who we are becoming and who we really want to be. And so what life-giving practices did you cultivate this year? As for me, I got a life and professional coach and I want to shout you out because um, I know that you are probably listening to this Ekanet and I cannot tell you, um, ooh, don't let me get emotional here, Jesus. <laughs> I can't tell you how much working with you has meant to me this year. I, um, I didn't realize that I... Um, really needed that that push and that perspective until I witnessed you speaking around this time last year. And I'm so thankful for the journey that you took me on. Um, and for those of you who are listening to this, I'm going to drop her Instagram and all the ways that you can get in touch with her um, in the notes for this show because Ekana Onu is um, an Atlanta-based um, coach who um, really helped me <laughs> this year. And working with her, once again, is part of the reason why Modern Faith is even here. Um, and, and I really think that that intentionality um, and the humility that it takes to kind of admit, like, I need some help, whether it comes in the form of a therapist or it comes in the form of a coach or it comes in whatever form help can come in. Um, one of the most life-giving practices <laughs> that we can ever embrace is asking for help when we need help. Um, and so... Um, between Ekana and our uh, iconic women's mastermind uh, and the women that were in that group, I just really, I, I just, I know I laid a foundation for success this year. Um, yeah, I just, that was, I know that that was really important to um, how this year went and how game changing this year was. Um, another life giving practice was that I finally spent money on self care. Um, I joined a wellness spa um, in Atlanta where I go once a month 
for a combination of treatments that just helps me to recalibrate and uh, keep my mind right. And uh, when I talked in the episode about um, strategies for spiritual wellness, I talked about the interconnection of our spiritual wellness and our physical wellness. And I really, I mean, I can't, I can't proclaim that enough that, uh, when we are intentional about caring for our bodies, there's some spiritual residual that comes from it. And I got to talk about that more, um, in 2020 because in addition to the spa, I started working out with a trainer who pushes me and presses me and Lord knows. I mean, some days I feel like that man is out to kill me, but by the time I'm done with that workout, I just feel so empowered and it's an amazing way to start the day. And for years I heard people saying like, oh, you got to, you know, exercise is so good for the soul. And uh, after 2019, I believe it. Um, Another life-giving practice that I cultivated this year was um, I stopped waiting for the quote, right time, unquote, to do the things that I wanted and I needed to do. Um, In fact, I think... You know, going back to the trainer, I, I started working out with him when I, in November, um, when I kind of noticed, okay, my, my body is kind of doing its own thing right now. Um, and I needed to, I needed to tighten that, tighten it up. And, um, you know, it was tempting to be like, I'm going to do that in the new year. But then I was like, but why? I mean, a whole bunch of people are going to be starting to work out in January. Why don't you be one of the ones that gets a head start? And then you could go into this one, into the new year, feeling really good. And I'm really glad that I made that decision. I think we wait a lot and we waste a lot of time waiting when it's always the right time to choose ourselves. And it's always the right time to believe in ourselves. And it's always the right time to elevate and go higher. And it's always the right time to take risks. Like we wait for, for what? (laughs) Um, I really appreciate that insight from the spirit. So once again, what life-giving practices did you cultivate this year? Um, Number four, what were the most consistent and formative relationships? And I want to mention this because, man, if I had a dollar for every uh, post about who I'm going to cut off and who going to get left in 2019 and, you know, all this like, you know, again, this cancel culture. I think that there's some, um, there's probably some, some fruit and some, you know, there's something to be gained from thinking about who did you wrong and who didn't show up the way you wanted them to. But I really, really think that, you know, one of my life mottos is the grass is greener where you water it. And if you focus more on the people who showed up and the people who showed love and you really focus on watering those relationships in 2020, um, then the people who aren't for you are going to fall off <laughs> on their own, you know, and I'm not saying don't have boundaries and I'm not saying don't, um, uh, have standards and expectations of people. But what I am saying is to, um, water the grass where it's green, 
you know, don't pay so much attention to people who disappoint you and people who you want to cut off. You know, I'm grateful. Like when I looked up this time last year, I was like, I don't need to cut anybody off. And thank God I'm in the same position this year because I have really chosen like the relationships that nourish me are going to be the relationships that I nourish. And I've also, you know, as I'm moving into 2020, I'm thinking less about the people who who did me wrong and more about like, okay, who do I want to be more intentional about having a relationship with? I can think of a few people that I, in 2020, I would really like to grab coffee with. I'd really like to, you know, let's, hey, if you get an invitation from me, it's because I'm interested in you know, really, I want to fill my life with people who inspire me. I want to fill my life with people who challenge me. I want to fill my life with people who give me a vision of the woman that I can become and help me to become that woman. And I think that it's a really different way to think about relationships and to think about ourselves as social and relational beings, to really think about who gives us life, who nourishes us, and who we actually want to have in our lives rather than who I don't want in my life anymore. So once again, who were the most consistent and formative relationships in your life? Um, Oh, and so shout out to my best friend who I broke bread with on Modern Faith. Hey, Porsche. And um, yes, and all the other people in my life, you know who you are and I love you. Number five, what were my aha moments? What were the breakthrough understandings and revelations that came this year? And I want you to not judge the circumstances by which you gained the revelation, the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom that you got this year. Because a lot of our wisdom and understanding comes out of our challenges. Um, and it comes out of the times in our lives where we feel like we were not winning. And so I want you to suspend the self-judgment for a moment. And I want you to just acknowledge this was what I learned. This was my aha. This is the revelation, the revelatory knowledge that I'm taking with me into 2020. Um, and write those lessons down. Um, write those aha moments down. Write those revelations down because um, if you abide by them, <laughs> I really think it could... I mean, it's once again, it's game changing. Um, One of the ahas that I had this year came by way of um, Spellman, you know, as the dean of chapel. This was my first full year at Spellman. And I, um, you know, I had a couple months there that I was like, I was feeling a little like um, I didn't really know what the process was working. You know, I had these ideas. I have my team around me. So there were some things that I just didn't know if they were coming together. And the reason I didn't know if they were coming together was because I didn't see the numbers. I didn't see the numbers that I wanted to see. And gosh, I just feel like, wow, um, I don't ever want to be a person that quantifies my success or my, um, my influence based on numbers, right? I mean, quality over quantity for sure. And spirit led me and and spirit revealed it to me. Like I am, my calling is to a remnant, you know, it's not to the masses. I think about Jesus and I think about the fact that 
for as much worldwide fame as he has most deservedly accrued um, and the lives that he has changed, including mine, the written witness of the Gospels betrays that um, he only had 12 people that really followed him closely. And if we're really honest, one of those 12 um, didn't really like him, <laughs> had his own self-interests and had to be replaced after um you know, Jesus had already ascended. Um, so, and, and out of all the people whose lives he changed and out of all the people who ministered to him and all of the, the great, um, you know, prophetic sort of, uh, justice ministry that he did, there was only 11 that really like rode out with Jesus. And, um, and even thinking about, you know, in the book of Acts, like the church was a remnant inside of the wider um, Roman and cultural context that actually believed that gospel. And even now, like I think about not just Christians carte blanche because some of them are just crazy and shout out to the Christianity Today editor that actually, you know, wrote the op-ed about how evangelicals have just gotten it all the way wrong, better late than never. Um, but I think about those Christians um, who are practicing womanists, not just professing womanists. I think about practicing womanists. I think about practicing um, liberationists. I think about practicing prophets. Um, and that is a remnant. <laughs> um, and, and I think that we get a little lost in the sauce when we, we um, you know, emphasize numbers rather than thanking God for the remnant that, um, you know, surrenders and submits to um, the call of God that's on our lives as leaders um, and follows and um, joins and connects and, and co-labors. Um, and so I had to really, you know, it, it, it actually freed up a lot of heart space and mind space when I realized like everybody here ain't going to like me and that's okay. Everybody here ain't going to come to chapel on Sunday, and that's okay. Everybody here is not going to come to the programs that we put on in the Wisdom Center, and that's okay. That really frees you up when you can say, and that's okay. So what were your aha moments this year? And finally, here's the bonus question. What are the stories that I can reframe Mm. I want to take this all the way back to the top. When we were talking about those wins and losses, there are some stories that we can tell ourselves about 2019 that don't make us feel good. And there are some seasons and some situations that were probably, that did not feel good. But um, what can you look at from a different angle? What can you look at from a different perspective? What can you, what can you, um, is there a story that you're telling yourself that might not be true? Is there another story that can emerge out of the things that you have been through this year? I do not want to minimize and I do not want to understate the experiences that you have been through this year, that I have been through this year. But as we move towards 2020, I want to I want to challenge and invite us to think about 
what might God still be doing in my life in that, through that, because of that, and despite that? Is there another way to look at some of those things? Is there another way to look at some of those people, those situations and those circumstances that can actually help you if you humble yourself? And if you think through it, if you really reflect on it, can those things that you have discarded as losses, can those relationships that you have discarded as broken, can those situations that you have discarded as um, unredeemable, if that's a word, um, is there another possibility for those things? And I'm not, I'm not talking about a possibility in terms of resurrecting dead things, right? And some things just need to stay dead. But I'm talking about possibilities in terms of, does it have to kill you? Does it have to hurt the way that it hurts? Or is there a journey of healing that you can undergo that can help you to see it differently? Is there a story that you can reframe? So let me review these questions over again. Number one, what were my dominant mentalities and behaviors? What were the results that they led to? Number two, what were my most critical growth moments? Number three, what life-giving practices did I cultivate this year? Number four, what were the most consistent and formative relationships in my life? Number five, what were my aha moments <laughs> and the lessons that I got from them? Number six, what are the stories that I can reframe? And with that, I want to wish you an amazing 2020. I hope that however you end 2019, I hope that you leave whatever needs to be left in 2019, in 2019. And I hope that all the beautiful, all the joyful, all the incredible, all the fascinating and wonderful things that you can take with you into 2020, um, you wrap your arms around them and you take them. Once again, if you want to go deeper um, in this process of strategic reflection, this really wasn't strategic reflection, although anytime we reflect, I think there's some beautiful strategy that can be implemented. This is just the this is the surface of it. And if you want to go through a process with this um, reflection so that 2020 can be quantifiably and qualitatively different, um, again, I want to invite you to the first Modern Faith webinar, Looking Back to Leap Forward, um, which is taking place next Sunday, January 5th at 4 o'clock to 530 Eastern. You can hit up our website or our Instagram to get more information on that. And I'm so, so, so thankful once again for all the ways that you all have taken this journey with me. I wish you the best in the final days of 2019 and I'll see you in 2020. God bless. We've come to the end of this episode of Modern Faith. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you could, please take just a second to rate and subscribe to Modern Faith on all of your preferred podcasting platforms. And stay connected with us on Instagram and Twitter at Modern Faith Podcast. Thanks again. And until next time, keep the faith.